once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode number 120, Just Good News Journal entry number 18. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, iHeartRadio at B.BoomerUnleashed, on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram. You can find our link at Be Boomer Unleashed, on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com, Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, your criticisms, your questions, or suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast, We'd like for you to tell us about that, or if you have a friend that you think should be on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast, let us know about that too, and we'll do our best to get you or your friend on the show. Well, today's episode, um, number 120, by the way, Just Good News, journal entry number 18, uh, following along with our good news series for the year, I'd like to share with you a testimony, if you will, uh, of someone who is familiar to most baby boomers. If you're not a baby boomer, if you're too young to remember, you probably uh, won't recognize the person I'm going to talk about. But, uh, you know, I've heard people say, you know, well, he's just too mean. He's just too evil to get saved. He's too evil to, um, you know, for God to have anything to do with him. He can never be forgiven for what he's done. Well, God is able to forgive anyone if they'll reach out to him. Now, there's a price we pay for sin. There's a price we pay for crime. But as far as being forgiven by God, uh, let's take a look at this testimony today and see what you think about it afterwards. See if anybody is too mean, anybody's too bad, anybody's too evil to be saved. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that over the years about themselves. Even. Well, you know, if I come to church, the roof would fall in. I'm just too bad. God wouldn't want anything to do with me. Well, if you're one of those kind of people and you're listening today, I think this um, testimony of this individual might change your mind. Now, this gentleman's name was is David Berkowitz. David Berkowitz. Now, you baby boomers will know him remember him as the son of Sam, or the 44 Magnum Killer. And he terrorized New York back in the 70s, and uh, he's been uh, in prison since 1977. And I'd like to share this uh, narrative that uh, Mr. Berkowitz has given there. And it it was shared several years ago, but Mr. Berkowitz is still in prison for his crimes. He's been there since 1977. And he was sentenced to like 365 years in prison, so chances of him getting out are are slim and none, right? But uh, you still don't have to be a prisoner to sin. And uh, let's uh, I'm going to just read through this testimony here with you, and it might be an encouragement to someone who knows somebody that uh, you think they're too mean to be saved or... Uh, maybe you think, looking at yourself, well, I've just done too many things God wouldn't forgive me. Let's, let's, let's read through this. My name is David Berkowitz, and I am a prison inmate who was incarcerated in 1977. 
I've been sentenced to prison for the rest of my life. My criminal case is well known and was called the Son of Sam shootings. Ten years later in 1987, when I was living in a cold and lonely prison cell, God got a hold of my life. Here is my story of hope. Ever since I was a small child, my life seemed to be filled with torment. I would often have seizures in which I would roll on the floor. Sometimes furniture would get knocked over. When these attacks came, it felt as if something or someone was entering me. My mother, who has long since passed away, had no control over me. I was like a wild and destructive animal. My father had to pin me to the floor until these attacks stopped. When I was in public school, I was so violent and disruptive that a teacher who had become so angry at me grabbed me in a headlock and threw me out of his classroom. I was getting into a lot of fights, too. Sometimes I started screaming for no reason at all. My parents were then ordered by school officials to take me to a child psychologist or else I would be expelled. I had to go to this psychologist once a week for two years, yet the therapy sessions had no effect on my behavior. During this period in my life, I was also plagued with bouts of severe depression. When this feeling came over me, I would hide under my bed for hours. I would also lock myself into a closet and sit in total darkness from morning until afternoon. I had a craving for the darkness and I felt an urge to flee away from people. Occasionally, this same evil force would come upon me in the middle of the night, and when this would happen, I felt an urge to sneak out of the house and wander the dark streets. I roamed the neighborhood like an alley cat and would creep back into the house by climbing the fire escape. My parents would never know that I was gone. I continually worried and frightened my parents because I behaved so strangely. At times, I would go the entire day without talking to them. I would stay in my room talking to myself. My parents could not reach me, not even with all of their love. Many times I saw them break down and cry because they saw that I was such a tormented person. Thoughts of suicide often came into my mind. Sometimes I spent time sitting on a window ledge with my legs dangling over the side. We lived on the sixth floor of an old apartment building. When my dad saw me doing this, he would yell at me to get back inside. I also felt powerful urges to step in front of moving cars or throw myself in front of a subway train. At times, those urges were so strong that my body actually trembled. I remember that it was a tremendous struggle for me to hold on to my sanity. I had no idea what to do, and neither did my parents. They had me talk to a rabbi, teachers, and school counselors, but nothing worked. When I was 14, my mother was stricken with cancer, and within several months, she was dead. I had no other brothers or sisters, and so it was just me and my dad. He had to work 10 hours a day, six days a week, so we spent very little time together. For the most part, my mother was my source of stability. With her now gone, however, my life quickly went downhill. I was filled with anger at the loss of my mom. I felt hopeless, and my periods of depression were more intense than ever. I also became even more rebellious and began to cut out of school. Yet my dad tried to help as best he could. He managed to push me through high school. The day after I graduated, I went into the Army. I had just turned 18 several weeks earlier. 
I joined the Army in a sense to start a new life and get away from my problems, but even in the service I had trouble coping. Though I did manage to finish my three-year enlistment, I still had problems along the way. I got out of the service in 1974 to start life again as a civilian. All my friends that I knew before had either married or moved away, so I found myself alone and living in New York City. In 1975, however, I met some guys at a party who were, I later found out, heavily involved in the occult. I had always been fascinated with witchcraft, Satanism, and occult things since I was a child. When I was growing up, I watched countless horror and satanic movies, one of which was Rosemary's Baby. That movie in particular totally captivated my mind. Now I was age 22, and this evil force was still reaching out to me. Everywhere I went, there seemed to be a sign or symbol pointing me to Satan. I felt as if something were trying to take control of my life. I began to read the Satanic Bible by the late Anton LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan in San Francisco in 1966. I began innocently to practice very occult rituals and incantations. I am utterly convinced that something Satanic had entered my mind, and that looking back at all that happened... I realized that I had been slowly deceived. I did not know that bad things were going to result from all this, yet over the months, the things that were wicked no longer seemed to be so much. I was headed down the road to destruction, and I did not know it. Maybe I was at a point where I just didn't care anymore. Eventually, I crossed that invisible line of no return. After years of mental torment, behavioral problems, deep inner struggles, and my own rebellious ways, I became the criminal that at the time it seemed as if it was my destiny to become. Looking back, it was all a horrible nightmare, and I would do anything if I could undo everything that happened. Six people lost their lives, many others suffered at my hands, and will continue to suffer for a lifetime. I am so sorry for that. In 1978, I was sentenced to about 365 consecutive years, virtually burying me alive behind prison walls. When I first entered the prison system, I was placed in isolation. I was then sent to a psychiatric hospital because I was declared temporarily insane. Eventually, I was sent to other prisons, including the infamous Attica. As with many inmates, life in prison is a struggle. I had my share of problems, hassles, and fights. At one time, I almost lost my life when another inmate cut my throat. Yet all through this, and I did not realize it until later, God had his loving hands on me. Ten years into my prison sentence and feeling despondent and without hope, another inmate came up to me one day as I was walking the prison yard on a cold winter's night he introduced himself and began to tell me that Jesus Christ loved me and wanted to forgive me. Although I knew he meant well, I mocked him because I did not think that God would ever forgive me or that he would want anything to do with me. Still, this man persisted and we became friends. His name was Rick and we would talk together and walk together in the prison yard. Little by little, he would share with me about his life and what he believed Jesus had done for him. He kept reminding me that no matter what a person did, Christ stood ready to forgive if that individual would be willing to turn from the bad things they were doing 
and put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross by dying for our sins. He gave me a Gideon's pocket testament and asked me to read the Psalms. I did. Every night I would read from them, and it was this time that the Lord was quietly melting my stone-cold heart. One night I was reading Psalm 34. I came upon the sixth verse which says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. It was at that moment in 1987 that I began to pour out my heart to God. Everything seemed to hit me at once. The guilt from what I did, the disgust at what I had become. Late that night in my own cold cell, I got down on my knees and began to cry out to Jesus Christ. I told him I was sick and tired of doing evil. I asked Jesus to forgive me for all my sins and come into my heart. When I got up from my knees, it felt as if a very heavy but invisible chain that had been around me for so many years was broken. A peace flooded over me. I did not understand what was happening, but in my heart I just knew that my life somehow was going to be different. More than 11 years have gone by since I had that first talk with the Lord. So many good things have happened in my life since. Jesus Christ has allowed me to start an outreach ministry right here in the prison where I've been given permission by prison officials to work in the special needs unit where men who have various emotional and coping problems are housed. I can pray with them as we read our Bibles together. I get the chance to show them a lot of brotherly love and compassion. I've also worked as the chaplain's clerk, and I also have a letter-writing ministry. In addition, the Lord has opened ways for me to share with millions via TV programs such as Inside Edition, in 1993, an A&E investigative reporter in 1997, what he has done in my life as well as to warn others about the dangers of getting involved in the occult. I have also shared my testimony on several Christian TV programs such as the 700 Club, 1997, the Coral Ridge Hour with Dr. James Kennedy, and on Larry King Live in 1999. For all these opportunities, I am most thankful, and I do not feel I deserve this. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Romans 10.13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here it is clear that God has no favorites. He rejects no one, but welcomes all who will call upon him. I know that God is a God of mercy who is willing to forgive. He is perfectly able to restore and heal our hurting and broken lives. I have discovered from the Bible that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Yet he was without sin. He took our place on that cross. He shed his blood as the full and complete payment God required for our wrongdoing. The Bible also says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Furthermore, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. These passages make it clear that everyone has sinned. Yes, some like myself did so much more than others, but all have done things wrong. Therefore, we must all make the decision to acknowledge our sins before God and be sorry for them. 
We need to turn from our lives of sin as well as believe that Christ was and is the Son of God. You must believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried, and on the third day he rose again in victory, for death could not hold him. Ask Christ to forgive you. Declare him as Lord of your life, and do not be ashamed to do so. To reject Jesus Christ and his work on the cross is to reject God's perfect and only gift of salvation and eternal life. Friend, here's your chance to get things right with God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession of salvation is made. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So believe in your heart that these words from the Bible are true. Please consider what I am saying. I beg you with all my heart to place your faith in Christ right now. Tomorrow is promised to no one. You see, I'm not sharing this message to simply tell you an interesting story. Rather, I want you to taste the goodness of God in my life, a man who was once a devil worshiper and a murderer, to show you that Jesus Christ is about forgiveness, hope, and change. I was involved in the occult, and I got burned. I became a cruel killer and threw away my life, as well as destroyed the lives of others. Now I have discovered that Christ is my answer and my hope. He broke the chains of mental confusion and depression that had me bound. Today I have placed my life in his hands. I only wish I knew Jesus before all these crimes happened. They would have never happened. May God bless everyone who is listening or reading this message. With love in Christ, David Berkowitz. Now, folks, if there was ever a doubt in your mind that someone was too mean or too bad or too evil for Jesus to be uh, interested in saving them, this testimony of David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, the 44 Magnum killer, that should put those doubts to rest. So my friend, if you're there today and you might be one of those folks who think, hey, I'm just too mean, I'm just too bad. God doesn't want anything to do with me. Listen, we're all sinners saved by grace. All of us deserve hell. None of us deserve to go to heaven. But because of Jesus' perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, and his bodily resurrection, if we accept him as our personal Savior, then we too can experience the joy in our hearts that he wants us to have. Well, if that's not good news, folks, I don't know what is. I hope you've enjoyed this testimony of David Berkowitz. I hope that uh, you realize that God can save anyone. His arm is not too short to reach to the deepest depths of evil and destruction. If you're out there, maybe you're dabbling with the occult. Maybe you're interested in that. You know, take this as a lesson, my friend. Don't get involved in any of that. If your kid has a Ouija board in their closet, <laughs> get rid of that thing. Don't let them play Dungeons and Dragons and all these evil things that are out there for them. 
the devil wants to grind you to powder. He wants to take the very souls of your children and your grandchildren. Don't allow that to happen. Well, it's been great being with you folks this week. I hope, uh, like I say, that you've enjoyed this, and I hope you'll share it with other friends. Maybe uh, you have a friend or a loved one who uh, is in that category. Maybe they're, you know, not saved. Maybe they're dabbling in the occult. Maybe they just think they're too mean for Jesus to have anything to do with them. Why don't you share this testimony with them? You can learn more about David Berkowitz and his testimony and his life. He's still in prison. Uh, this was uh, this interview was done probably some 20 years ago. But he's still in prison, still serving Jesus and still sharing his testimony. You can probably find his testimony on YouTube. Uh, just type in David Berkowitz or Son of Sam Salvation Testimony, and you can probably hear it right there too. See him personally deliver that testimony well I hope that you'll join us again next week for another episode of Be Boomer Unleashed I pray God's blessing on each and every one of you and if, and if you don't know Jesus as your personal savior make this the day as uh, David Berkowitz said you're not promised tomorrow you never know what tomorrow might bring so be sure you're right with Jesus today make sure your loved ones know about Jesus because you know what Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. Maybe today. Well, listen, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you'll uh, be here for our next episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. But until we meet again, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.